I'm going to ask you to turn with me to John chapter 10. And while you're turning to that place, I wanted to mention two weeks ago, or I wanted to start by relating an experience I had two weeks ago. I was preaching out on 157 for the church that meets there. I've got a lot of positive memories of that congregation. That's where my, my parents both worshipped uh, years ago, and they worshipped there for a period of years. My mom eventually came to the congregation here at Baldwin after my dad passed away, but when they were both living, that was uh, where, they, where they attended, so it was good being out there just to, to have that, that good memory of, of times when they were still with me. But I, I preached a sermon titled The Power of the Resurrection, and I did that because it was the Easter weekend, and I knew there would be a number of visitors at the assembly, and sure enough, there were. And typically, it's, it's individuals who don't assemble on the Lord's Day. So I wanted to take advantage of the opportunity to speak on a subject that was on their minds, and that was the resurrection of Jesus. Of course, we understand there's more to the resurrection than, than um, chocolate bunnies and Easter eggs and things that men seem to want to attach to events of religious significance. So I was speaking on the subject of, of the, the resurrection and, and what it means for us as Christians. One of the points that I made was with respect to perspective and how that when you truly believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, then it changes everything. It changes your perspective. It, it, it changes the way you react or respond to situations in life because you know that someday the Lord's going to return and if you have died in Christ, you will be raised. You will be raised to eternal life. During the course of that particular point, I made reference to what we hear often about perspective or attitude and that is this, this matter of the glass being half full or half empty. You've heard that. If if a person has a, a positive perspective, and I'll just use some numbers, that's, I'm a numbers guy, so that helps me, but if, if you're looking at a glass that holds 16 ounces and it has eight ounces in it, well, if you have a positive attitude, you look at that glass, you say, well, it's, it's half full, which means that there's more to come. But if you have a negative attitude, you look at that glass and you say, well, it's half empty. Well, if it's full, that means it's on the rise, but if it's half empty, that means that it's going to eventually be completely empty. That's a negative attitude. I made that point, and then at the end of the lesson, two brothers came up to me. The first one said this, technically, the glass is always full, even if it has eight ounces of liquid and it holds 16, then the rest is uh, air. So it's all always full. Okay, I'm not, okay, professor, I'm not going to argue with you about that. <laughs> then another brother came up to him and he said, you know, when you're in Christ, when you're a Christian, the glass isn't half full, it isn't half empty, it's completely full. And not only that, but you have endless refills. You know what went through my mind? I thought, well, that'll preach. Thank you. Thank you for giving me a sermon. 
I want to speak to you this morning on that third option, which really is the, the better option. I mean, if I, could, if I could take two glasses and put here and, and, well, just one, I only need one, and I put eight ounces of liquid in a glass that holds 16 ounces, when you look at it, well, maybe it's half full, maybe it's half, half empty, but it's not full. Okay, I'll take another glass now, and it, it holds 16 ounces, and I'm going to pour water in it until it just starts running over. Well, if you're thirsty, which glass do you want? You want the one that's full. And, and you know you're going to be thirsty again, so you not only want the one that's full, but you want the endless refills. That's what you want as, as a Christian. I want that third option, don't you? I believe the Bible teaches that that's exactly what we have what we have in christ is the abundant life in, in john chapter 10 and verse 10 jesus said that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy and he's speaking of himself as the good shepherd and then he goes on and he says i came that they may have life and have it abundantly now when you read that do you see a glass that's half full do you see a glass that's half empty? Or do you see a glass that's running over? When you study the teaching of Jesus, what you come to see is he was communicating a message of salvation that pointed the minds of his disciples toward this conviction, I'm here to give you everything. I, 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 if you're hungry, you're going, to be, you're going to be satisfied. If you're thirsty, you're going to be satisfied. If you're empty, you're going to be filled. If your life has no meaning, then, buddy, when I'm done with you, your life's going to have meaning, and it's going to have purpose. You're going to have a reason to live. You're not going to be one who meanders through life who's trying to figure out, what is this all about? You're going to be one who knows, who has that purpose. As we think about the abundant life that we have in Jesus, I think it's important to understand that that abundant life begins with the new life. The Bible says when we become Christians that we are raised to walk, we are baptized, and then we are raised to walk in newness of life. In John chapter 4, when Jesus was speaking to the woman of Samaria, he was at the well. He went to draw water. She went to draw water. And then they entered into this conversation about water. And Jesus said to her in John chapter 4 and verse 13, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. You can, you can draw water from this well and you can drink it and in time you're going to be thirsty once more. But, verse 14, Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Is the glass half empty? Is the glass half full? What was the message? In John chapter 6 and verse 35, once more, Jesus teaching his disciples, he said, I am the bread of life and he who comes to me will not hunger. And he who believes in me will never thirst. That's the full glass with endless refills. In John chapter 7 and verse 37, 
Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Does that sound like a half empty glass? Does that sound like a half full glass? From his innermost being will flow, flow. What do you think of? Do you think of a sprinkle? Do you think of a little? Will flow rivers, not a creek, rivers of living water. This abundant life that we can have in Christ, and I'll ask you, do you have it? Is that the way you see your life? Is this the life that you're living? It all begins with a new life. But there's some perspective that needs to be developed. And I'll begin with this statement. Because I don't want you to leave here thinking that this is, this is a social gospel. This is cheap grace. And then when you become a Christian, not only are your sins washed away, but from this moment forward, everything in your life is just going to be smooth. Gonna be smooth sailing. I'm not gonna press the point. I, I don't necessarily believe in John chapter 10 when Jesus said the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, that, that he had in his mind or he wanted them to have in their mind that the thief was Satan. But I do believe that the scriptures teach very clearly that our enemy is Satan. And he is a thief. You see, Satan wants to rob you. Of peace. He wants to rob you of, of joy and contentment. He wants you to stop praying. He wants you to stop studying the Word of God. He wants you to disconnect yourself from God's people. He wants you to social distance to the extreme. In 1 Peter chapter 5, when Peter was writing to the churches of Asia Minor, to those of the dispersion throughout Asia Minor. He said to them in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, to be of sober spirit, to be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He wants to take whatever is in your glass away from you. He wants you to believe that it's half full or half empty. He doesn't want you to see that it is rivers of water that's flowing, that's springing from within. He doesn't want you to know that you will never thirst. You will never hunger if you go to Jesus. Be on the alert. Be sober. Keep your mind free from the intoxicating influences of the world. Because that message is going to be told to you over and over and over again. You're going to hear it in the news. You're going to hear it in social media. The people that you work with, Satan will work through them to destroy your faith and to destroy your confidence and to destroy your, your peace. He will work through the world to, to cause you to think that everything is terrible. what Satan wants because he wants to destroy God's people in Revelation chapter 12 it's a, it's a chapter that deals with the, the work of 
Jesus and the ministry of, of Christ on the cross and, and his death. And, and he came into existence. He was born of this woman. He was, he was born of the nation of Israel. And he came to give us that abundant life. And Satan did everything within his power to stop it. He worked through Herod to destroy the babies that were born in Bethlehem. He worked through the, the enemies of Jesus throughout the course of his public ministry to destroy him and to kill him. And then he thought he had won when Jesus hung on the cross. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7, there was war in heaven. We're going to go to verse 17 in a moment. Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war and they were not strong enough and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. The serpent of old who is called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. They were defeated at the cross when Jesus was raised from the dead. But Satan wasn't destroyed. He wasn't destroyed. The thief continues. The enemy continues. The roaring lion continues to seek someone to devour. In verse 17, so the dragon was enraged with the woman. The symbolism here, the woman, was the nation of Israel. And then after the church was established, the woman was the church. 2,000 years ago and, and the church today and for the last 2,000 years and until the Lord returns, Satan will continue to be enraged with the woman. And he went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and, and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Again, I, I don't want to be dark in this sermon because it's about the abundant life that begins with the new life. But we need to understand that we have an enemy who wants to take that joy away from us. Perspective equals abundance. If you want that abundant life, then you're going to have to have the proper perspective. You're going to have to think about life. You're going to have to think about your time here on this earth in a way that the world would not have you think, and in a way that you've never thought before you became a Christian. You see, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, the message is, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That's a full glass. With endless refills. In chapter 2 and verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that raises us from spiritual death in the waters of baptism. And then we're free to live this, this life of abundance. Chapter 3 and verse 19, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. That's a, 
That's a glass that's full and running over that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Does it get any better than that? You see, if you would just seek to, to saturate your mind with the Word of God, if you'll plumb the depths of His revelation, if you will bleed biblene, then you'll be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, that's perspective. In John chapter 15, Jesus was teaching his disciples that he was the vine and they were the branches and that they were to bear fruit. And in John chapter 15 and verse 2, Jesus said that every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. But then he said every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. That's the abundant life. It's the latter part of that that we want. We want this rich, fruitful life where we're serving God, we're serving others, we're sharing the gospel, we're having a positive influence upon people, we're making a difference. But notice, God prunes that branch. He prunes that branch. This abundant life, it does come with a cost. But the proper perspective makes it such that we don't pay the price of spiritual success we enjoy the price of spiritual success is that not what james was teaching us in the first chapter of his epistle when he said in james chapter 1 and verse 2 to consider it all joy my brethren when you encounter various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance there's the pruning there's the per perspective that leads to abundance. God is pruning me, but he's making me better. He's making me stronger. And let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's the full glass. That's the full glass. Paul is a superlative example of this. That is, the apostle Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I love the, the language here as he, he relates his various experiences of life of how God was pruning him so that he could bear more fruit. His abundant life was a life that, yes, did involve trials and difficulties and temptations. But don't you want to be able to write this as your life story 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That's the last place we would put a treasure. An earthen vessel that can be easily broken. But that's what God did when he put the gospel within us. That's what God did when he put his Holy Spirit within us when we became Christians. He, he put this treasure in earthen vessels and he did it for a purpose so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. There's perspective that leads to abundance. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. 
always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. He was stoned. He was left for dead. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten times without number. And yet his glass was always full. He had endless refills. He understood that. In chapter 12, he relates the thorn in the flesh that was his. We don't know exactly what that thorn was, and it doesn't matter. But he says in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 7, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. And concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. It was serious, wasn't it? But he said to me, my grace, can you just hear, can you just see in your mind's eye, Paul on his knees fervently praying, he's suffering, he's afflicted. He knows that this is something from Satan and he just wants it to go away. Do you have something in your life you're just tired of it? I mean, you're just tired of it. You want it to end. That's where Paul was at. And, and, and when we pray to God, what do we want? We want a yes. We want an answer. We want the answer that we want. We don't want the answer that we need. We want the answer that we want. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient, Paul. The power is perfected in weakness. The glass is full, man. It's not half full. It's not half empty. It's, it's full. It doesn't matter what's going on out here. It doesn't matter what's going on, the, on, in, on the outside in the world. Your glass is full. Most gladly, here's your perspective. Therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Do you see him getting up? Do you see him getting up and saying, you know, this is exactly what I needed to hear. I didn't want to hear it, but this is what I needed. Therefore, verse 10, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's the abundant life. Are you living that life? Are you living that wonderful life in Christ? been walking a lot lately down memory lane. I mentioned being at 157 two weeks ago. I was at 4th Street last week. That's where I was baptized. That's where my parents were baptized. I got to see my mom and my dad become Christians. A good friend of mine who's an elder in the church in Fayetteville sent me this this past week about the church at South Fayetteville. First place I ever preached. Had no preaching experience. Some of you may remember I came to Coleman in 1988. 
did the crazy thing, quit my job, really ticked my parents off. Why would you do that? You just passed the CPA exam. And now you're quitting your job. You have nothing to do. I just want to preach. Some of you were here. Come on, brother. We got a preacher coming. You can preach for three months, and then you're gone. I didn't have anywhere to go. I've always been living my life on a wing and a prayer. Didn't have anywhere to go, so I came here and preached three months, and there was a little church in Fayetteville, Tennessee. Quentin McKay talked to Brother Taft, a descendant of President Taft, by the way, up in Fayetteville, and they called me and they asked me to come up and try out. What do I have to lose? Went up there, preached. Didn't have a wife, single preacher. Didn't have any preaching experience. What would you have told me? Well, one brother said in the business meeting, well, we may give you a chance. But if you don't preach the truth, then we're going to grease your skids, buddy. <laughs> now, I want to tell you, when, that's, a, that's, a big, that's a big step from Mr. Big CPA to Mr. I may just get my skids greased. <laughs> so I went. I'm going to read something to you, and, and, and I'm going to tell you about these names. Charles Woodard was one of the deacons there. He died years ago. Had a wonderful wife. All three of his boys were Christians. Remember that name. There was a, a lady there who was Sister Smart. Kind of like Captain Obvious. Sister Smart. That was her name. And her husband's name was Joe. Joe didn't go to church. Joe didn't go to church. This is a picture of Joe recently. He used to repair lawnmowers for my friend Phil's dad. Phil, Phil's family was from Fayetteville. And he sent me this. Joe Smart, 85 years old, lives across the street from our church building. His wife, now deceased, was a member at South Fayetteville many years ago. Joe is mostly confined to a hospital bed. His daughter, Cindy Abels, takes care of him. Joe decided he wanted to be baptized. He said it's something he's known, known he should do for a long time, but he kept putting it off. So the day we met him and his family at the building, they rolled Joe across the street in a wheelchair. And when they got there, his daughter Cindy said she wanted to be baptized as well. When it was over, Joe said with tears in his eyes that his former neighbor, the late Charles Woodard, had been after him for years to be baptized. We never know the influence we may have on others. Charles died and went to heaven a long time ago. It may not be too much longer before his buddy Joe comes to meet him. You see, there's two lessons in that. 
you can plant the seed and you never know what's going to happen. You never know how far down the road of life it's going to be before that seed bears fruit. And the other lesson which ties to this is it's never too late to start the abundant life. I don't know how much longer Joe's going to live, Brother Smart, but he's living the abundant life now. He may be confined to a wheelchair, but in his heart he's running. He's bouncing up every day, and he's got that new life. Perspective equals abundance. Forty-three years ago, I told this story last week at Fourth Street. I was sitting, and I, I walked out in the parking lot at Fourth Street, and I looked at the spot where that 1970 Cutlass Supreme fire engine red with a white vinyl top, white interior, cherry bomb mufflers, L60s on the back, five-spoke mag wheels. I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm getting away from the important part of the story. Sitting out there with my brother, who had recently become a Christian because he married a Christian who fell away, and that's the only reason she married him. Then she came back, and he became a Christian, and we were sitting out in the parking lot before we entered the building. And he asked me, Mike, you've heard the gospel, haven't you? And you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, don't you? I said, yes, I do believe that he's the Son of God. And then he asked me, well... I think you've repented of your sins because you've changed. You're not who you used to be. I said, yeah, I have repented. I, I, I'm trying to do better. I, I want to be better. And then he asked me, would you be willing to confess that Jesus is the Son of God? I said, oh yeah, I believe that. Why wouldn't I confess it? And then he said, well, you know, there's only one thing left. You need to be baptized for the remission of your sins. And that morning in March of 1980, I went into that building and I almost stood up and shouted, can you please sing the song of invitation? I, I was ready to go. And they sang that song of invitation and I did what Joe did I did what so many others have done. I did what Hannah did this past week. I was baptized for the remission of my sins. And I can tell you it's been a, it's been a long, hard road. And the enemy has been powerful. But I know that if I keep my heart and my mind where it needs to be, then I can live that life in the boat. And that's what everyone here who's living that life wants for you if you've never obeyed the gospel. Are you willing this morning to come forward, confess your faith, repent of your sins, and be baptized to have those sins washed away by the blood of Jesus? If so, for you, the abundant life can begin today. Please come as we stand and sing.